Welcome to another Driven by Design Beyond COVID Town Hall. This time it's Asia. It's our second time in Asia. I've got a great panel of folk here who we're going to be talking about the three phases. We've been through React. We're now actually in Rebound. And the next phase everyone seems to be thinking about is actually about reimagining. Um, through the panel here, we've got architects, digital marketers. We've got uh, people in branding, graphic design, retail design, digital design. There's a really good mix here. The first person I want to throw to, Dylan, you've actually got projects which uh, you're seeing move in Asia at a pace that you're not used to. Has that begun, has that acceleration continued on for you? Um, <clears throat> yeah, it has. We've... Um... We've been able, because of not physically being able to travel, we've been able to accelerate the rate at which we have important meetings and reduce the amount of time that it takes us to get to and from them. Um, one flight less, one hotel less, one taxi less, one taxi less, one flight less, getting home again, all for a 25-minute meeting. That's been... Um, extremely useful, not in that it's a, a new channel of communication, but that it's elevated the importance of the channel of communication. So we're able to achieve a sign-off of a contract or a variation or a deal digitally, where we would previously have had to have had a dinner and a handshake, and as you say, a tea ceremony. The accelerations continued to a certain degree in that um, communication is still digital, and the acceleration is often because of the lack of minor or micro, medium and major commutes. We're not, we're not trying to arrange our calendars to all get into the room. We're not trying to travel to places to meet six people. And we're accelerating definitely because we can put more people into meetings virtually so we don't have to spend time writing minutes and recounting what happened in the minute in the meeting to the people who need to do the work. They're actually able to learn from and immediately spurn off that. So it has progressed. And, and so I suppose the, you know. Yep. No, go ahead. No, go ahead. You pause for two seconds. I was going to, yeah. it, uh, I'm not going to pause again now, uh, Mark. You know, that, that means that that's it. No more words in it. Flinch and you die. It has meant that we've been able to navigate contracts much, much more um, swiftly in that we don't need to be posting things to one another. In fact, in fact, the delay that comes from posting the original contract or the original invoice is the longest delay. It's now, it's like waiting for the kettle, it's like watching the kettle going, come on, it's got to boil. So those that four or five day of um, courier time turns out to be the longest delay we've got now. Whereas I didn't even notice it before. Yeah, and, and so I want to now throw across to Michael Tam at IBM Interaction or IX Studio there. Michael, IBM's doing really well. You've got lots of corporate clients. A pipeline would have been full. Has the nature of the work and the speed of the work, has that changed for you? I don't want to know about their particular clients. So it's just like how's the cadence of the projects going? Have you got to the point that people are now responding and they're working out how do we actually speed things up from a, a small gap? I think a lot of our clients um, really recognize this is a time that they have to get things right, get to a good foundation to be ready um, for the rebound when everyone's, when the market picked up again. So um, a lot of our clients around the world really using this pocket of time to to, to drive innovation. Um, a lot of our projects still going on very quickly. Um, and also writing on the point that Dylan made is, it seems like we, we cut short a lot of the, uh, the gaps in between you know, signing contract, getting things moving around in between different teams and all that. So that kind of pace in between um, people who's working remotely, who's people who's uh, supporting from all around the world, from different studios, um, really picked up. So 
from that perspective, I would have say uh, this period of time is just uh, just changed the way that we work um, completely. Um, for example, I just moved into a global role, which means um, I'm actually supporting projects in the States right now. So um, it's really filled up my day, my, my, my calendar, my, I'm working around the clock to a certain extent, um, but also means my teammates uh, from the States are adjusting to this new way of working as well, having people who are supporting from um, the other side of the world. So uh, yeah, it's, it's, uh, it's a really funny time, interesting time, but I think it really uh, go along with the theme that we talk about now you know, rebound, what, what, what we're going to do, what are our clients going to do, what enterprise doing um, to be ready for, um, for for the market picked up again. So it's yeah. very interesting. And Afinia, I'd like to go across to you because uh, your clients in the digital marketing, digital brand space, when we did the first Asia Town Hall, you mentioned that um, some of the, the Western clients had kind of dropped the ball when it came to actually keeping up their campaigns into China. Have you seen those respond back or is the West still dealing with its own problems in its backyard and people aren't yet realising that China is basically at speed? So basically, um, there are something has changed in the past uh, three weeks or so since our last discussion. Um, number one, China has almost completely back to normal in terms of Chinese people in mainland China of their day-to-day life. Um, students are back to school, people are back to work, um, all the transportation is it's open, um, domestic like, like flights are uh, open, not saying that they're full, but travel is allowed. So there is no more restriction. And so we see more Chinese company, Chinese brands want to branch out because Previously, they just get big um, contracts, export contracts from Western companies, but now they're not getting it in their usual way. They're not able to go out of China physically to do um, exhibitions and et cetera. So they are, Chinese brands are actually seeking digital means to do marketing and to attract and to build their brands in, in, the, in the outside world. So we're seeing a lot more attractions on that direction. And compared to our clients from, for example, Australia or, or US, I think about a month ago, we were still planning a lot of recovery plan. How do we do recovery and communication in terms of brand and marketing? And a lot of timeline we discuss it's around June or July or all of that. But I think now a lot of Western, well, I would say outside of China clients, they start to realize the recovery actually will take longer. So a lot of plans has been postponed to like September or October onwards. So this is what I observe. And, and I think uh, earlier this week, we went and recorded a, a new program that we're doing for the interiors market. Uh, Betsy, you're on that call there which was, uh, we're calling it Not Milano Interior Show. Because as you, as Afeni mentioned, the trade shows are actually missing for people as part of their way to go and prime and create new business opportunities. And then as well as those interactions, physical interactions that you have with people, what they're also missing is the opportunity to announce and release uh, release their I think for, for you, Betsy, Milano was one, one of those huge opportunities for you to have deep, immersive, you know, relationship-building events with your clients. You've now had to work out how to restructure and redo that. But is the pace of the deal flow actually performing for you or have you found that there's still some gaps on people getting up to speed? Yeah, so actually internally versus externally. 
What's interesting, Mark, since we last recorded that is there has been an acceleration for RH to actually open all three of the international galleries that we were planning to do over a period of two years now. So why the acceleration? Um, business for the, especially the retail space is up significantly with number of people sitting in their home and just can't stand looking at that piece of furniture or lighting any longer. Um, so not only a pickup of the online business, but, but galleries as they continue to slowly open in North America, um, we're seeing a lot of pent up purchasing going on. Mm-hmm. So, um, and also I think that um, frustration of not having that human connection. So um, it's an experience for RH when you walk into the gallery. So the actual F&B of having a glass of wine on the rooftop, it has become now a full day experience um, for for the retail organization. On the the commercial side of our business, it's been very, very interesting. We've had to learn to do things very differently. So the positives of that have been, as Dylan was talking, the efficiencies of doing things have grown. We can get 12 people around the world, as long as we can find a time slot that works, um, both clients as well as internal people, and we can bang out a supply agreement in 48 hours now, whereas before it was, as you were saying, Dylan, it was taking forever. Um, so what's the downside of that? It's, I think, you you talked about the tea ceremony. Connection that you have to your clients isn't there. Yeah. That connection where you have, have spent many long nights banging out those supply agreements, those are lifelong relationship building. And for those of us who live and die on the relationships that we foster, th- this period of time has set us back. And the yeah. businesses has seen... Um, some implications as a result of it. Now, Betsy, I think, you've, I think you've hit the nail on the head there. Like the tea ceremony was both painful in that it delayed, you know, the, the cadence of the project, but it was also so useful because of the depth of the uh, of getting to know each other and understanding each other. And so, so I suppose when Michael was talking about the idea that he's got some people who are now being swung into projects and it's happening at a, at a faster pace, you're losing some of that project culture that, that is so important because then you wind up with misunderstandings that might have multiplied down the track. So I suppose on one hand, we've got a good thing that we've actually got cadence of the project. The other one is that we've got to make sure that we're still building in the team culture there. And I know, you know, even if I think of the difference of this is, the say, the um, 12 of these shows that I've done for my ISO studio, the, the way that I do them now, we're on board with, you know, 10 minutes of discussion for everybody before we start recording. And then we hang around for 20 minutes or half an hour at the end because that's that's necessary for us to go actually be people, not just actually performing on a Zoom call. And that's going to be the same for all the projects that everyone's doing there as well. Bob, you're you're down in isolation. You're, you're kind of like um, the man from Mars, aren't you? You're, you're Hong Kong and and uh, mainland China base. That's where you. That's where your operation base is. But you're down in New Zealand at the moment. But you've been leveraging LinkedIn. You've been leveraging Facebook and other forms of contact with people who are from you know past eras in your commercial yeah. world. How, how's that helping them that you're able to say, well, I'm available, let's go and actually do some, do some business? I think, I think what's interesting and to sort of pick up on some of the things Betsy was talking about, yeah, the relationships you know, and, and you know, 
doing the business and, and having those meals and spending time with individuals in hotels and traveling together. Yeah, you know, something I'm finding is that I'm interacting with people now that mm. I've known for 20 odd years. And so, so there's a lot of business and activity happening now because of, because of the, those relationships. Um, and there, there is an amazing amount of things that can happen. And, and like we're talking about, can happen quite quickly. Um, but I think there's, there's definitely this pent up need for us as human beings to, you know, to actually interact with each other. You know, I, I miss those times hanging out in a hotel bar with, you know, with a, with a client or a colleague and, you know, getting, getting to know each other. Having said that, I mean, from, from down here, um, we're still looking obviously to get back up into Hong Kong and China, but even then, you know, from down here, um, we've got meetings on Friday, um, which is revolving around a physical rollout for an American brand uh, rolling out through China. Um, so we're going to be manufacturing in China, rolling out through China, um, a body of work that we actually executed in New Zealand, Hong Kong, um, and China. So it's, it's, it's real, yeah, it's, it's, it's real network. It's, it's working from home. It's working for wherever you're, you're able to do that. But yeah, phys- physical things are, are really sort of ramping up, but we're also doing a lot of uh, you know, virtual work. So, you know, from from New Zealand, we've been able to tap into a lot of work in a lot of different countries. So, Richard, that, Richard Henderson, that brings me to you. You know, you've you've been working with huge brands through your career. You also got a specialty where you're working with some of those mid-sized and smaller brands in the market at, at this point. How are you finding the cadence going on for, for them? Have those smaller organisations begun to respond yet or are they still trying to work out which way's up and working out how the reaction part works? Have they got to rebound? And I suppose that's a, trying to work out the different size of the market's important. Yeah, well, thank you, Mark. Um, look, I always love uh, these conversations because I get a feeling of the excitement of a lot of businesses around the world. I suppose my, my business and my interest, I can't separate business from brand and design. So I'm a sort of a creative, but I've sort of got my feet in business. I'm very, very interested in the psychology of change and movement. And I've, you know, I'm working on that myself. I'm doing some charts myself. I'm developing some business initiative myself. I don't think I could really make significant contribution to, to the conversation about exactly where business in Melbourne, where I operate from, is at the moment. But what I can say is that uh, from a small business operator, that the only way forward for any business, including ourselves, is to move. And there's a lot of inertia, I think, here at the moment. There's a lot of fear. I don't think the press is really helping things at all from my point. And I've, I see this whole, um, I, see, I mean, I, unfortunately, I see everything in terms of brand. I see what I, what I get up in the morning about, about my own brand and what I'm going to be doing myself, et cetera, in my business. And I see ourselves basically in a cocoon. I call it the cocoon strategy. We're in a cocoon. We're moving out of that cocoon of darkness and uncertainty. We're looking for the light and we move forward to beyond. And whilst it's a cliche, the cocoon is a nurturing space of, of quietness, of reflection. And then when you move out of the cocoon, you turn into a butterfly and the butterfly is about discovery. So I've got this sort of theory that I'm working on. I'm sharing it with that people. I put something up on LinkedIn. I've got a lot of responses on this idea of we're in the crisis to fearful mode. We move to a hopeful mode. We then move to a motivated mode. In the motivated mode, we're moving out of the cocoon, coming to discovery, and then we start adjusting. I think I don't think we could really say at the moment that everyone's adjusted. Uh, I think everyone's trying to figure out um, where they're going to be in their life and their business, particularly about people. I mean, in, in the city here, for example, the government has actually had an edict where people were not, the government people were not returning to their offices until September. Now, that's a huge big thing for a company to manage people, et cetera. So... 
that's my space of interest. I think the brand is absolutely critical because culture is connected to brand and the market. So, um, so uh, from my point of view, and if you ask me about my own business, I've got a couple of interest, very interesting projects on. But actually, the my two most interesting projects are both stadiums. So I don't quite sure how they're going to fill those stadiums, given the uh, current situation with uh, 1.5 metres distance between people. But um, they're they're also about cultural people society society connection. So look, I'm a smaller smallish business niche. Um, I have also uh, opened up a partnership business in in, uh, in China. I already had an office in Hong Kong, which uh, is a registered office, but that's sort of basically like a tree that's been locked. So it's just sitting there, set, waiting for Hong Kong to come together. I've kind of connected up with Hong Kong Tourism because I have an idea for Hong Kong that they could use as a um, as a destination branding for Hong Kong. Yet to get some traction on that, but I've got a partnership with a designer in Chichuang, which is about three hours from, from Beijing in the Hebei province, and that's exactly what um, was mentioned before about China going to manufacturing. So I'm going to be trying to help Chinese manufacturers brand uh, their products uh, in a Western way. Uh, my, my, my EA is Chinese. We're multilingual here uh, at Arco, and I'm a very big fan of, uh, whilst it may not be politically correct right at this moment, but I'm a pretty big fan of China and its potential. So... And so what's really good about that is that, you know, there's this, it's almost like a spring that you've described there where you're actually, you're getting energy that's in there. That's a great word, uh, Mark, because I'm putting out a campaign uh, tomorrow because the restaurants in Melbourne open on the 1st of um, June uh, and I've got this campaign which is called uh, Melbourne and it's got a flower arrangement. And uh, I'm offering restaurants competition to put a flower arrangement in front of their their, uh, their restaurant and then send us a picture of their flower arrangement. We'll award the winner with a complete signboard outside their restaurant uh, uh, promoting their business because we want Melbourne to bloom again. So that, yeah. idea, that idea of seeing opportunities for designers and design firms to contribute back into the community, like they're all initiative. And um, I think that's that's the contribution that good design and designers can make to society at this time. Fantastic, Julie. Isn't it amazing? Here we are. We're you know we're standing with giants here, and they're, they're, you know like what Richard just described there about that forward initiative. What's happening for you? Because you're not only got Hong Kong, you've got connections within New York. You've also got some projects uh, uh, from HJK, which is still finishing off in other parts of. The world. How's the cadence, how's the pace going for, for your world? We know your gap year has been absolutely decimated, but what's happening in the rest of the world? I'm redefining gap year. <laughs> process of doing that. Richard, I loved your metaphor about the butterfly because I think it's very apt to where, where I feel that I'm at right now. And um, in terms of relationships and building Betsy and how you were talking about your relationships and how, how that's all going. I find that I've got lots of time to talk with my more traditional uh, colleagues and relationships digitally, but I've also got more time to meet with people that I couldn't have found the time to meet with before that are here in Hong Kong. So I'm fostering a lot of new relationships, one-on-one relationships with, uh, with people um, that um, just, it's been amazing to really get to know people that have just been kind of very tangential to my world uh, before all this happened. In terms of the projects that are going on, they're still ongoing. We have a big project in um, Belgrade, Serbia, that the client's anxious to get finished. But they're getting a little bit of cold feet right now in terms of will people be able to travel? Well, my designers come to the site and see what's going on. How much longer is this lockdown going to happen? Is it going to impact the projects? So it's been an ongoing discussion that we're having at the moment. 
but we're seeing our projects in China to start up again, um, or just to get off that um, hold pattern that they were in. We've got a couple of design presentations coming up next week for a couple of hotel projects. Thank God for a couple of hotel projects. Could I just, could I just say on that, interrupt and say on that, that you know, one of the great things about creativity and design is a universal language. And yeah. when people get together creating something from anywhere around the world, it's the it's DNA that binds everyone together. And whilst we all have to understand the working politics and that's the nature of society, that sort of commonality of uh, the nod that we all basically understand the fundamental purpose of human beings, which is to create. I think that's such a great thing, our conversation, where you're talking about China. It's a, it's a really uh, wonderful uh, wonderful sort of uh, attribute of the design community. Yeah, yeah. So one of the things I want to go and have a, have a quick chat with, and I think, um, Chris, we're going to get to you in just a moment, but seeing you're in, you're in, in a shadow with your face, we'll come back to you in just a moment. I've got a Dylan here, yeah? But um, so we haven't forgot about you on the call. But, Dylan, I'm, I'm fascinated with the, particularly around built space projects, one of the things that a lot of people don't understand the difference, say, between a project Michael Tam's doing and what you're doing is, that often the sovereignty of those uh, of those projects goes into a, a handover stage. So say if you're working on a digital brand for a, a major corporation, it's still their digital brand. It just is the project's delay. But with these building projects and, you know, large-scale um, uh, development, often there's a, it goes from being the developer into the hands of the builder and there's there's an economic interest for people sometimes to delay projects because they might find, as Julie was talking about, the tourists aren't going to come. So navigating where, if there's an interest to finish the project is a really important thing because if somebody doesn't think there's going to be an occupancy rate from the hotel, you can imagine they're going to slow down the completion of the hotel and push that liability onto the builder. Do you see much exposure to that in the projects that you're doing or is the, the people in, in Asia that you're working with are moving at such a pace they don't want to play those games? The only projects that we've really had go on hold are those that can go on hold that are in a design phase or that, that aren't attracting any additional finance costs or, or you know, opportunity costs on not being built. <clears throat> There's not a project that we're building anywhere on the planet that's slowing down because the cost of finance certainly hasn't shifted. Uh, for example, the new interior workplace we're doing with John Holland, they're, they're already a couple of months late and they are working as fast as they possibly can with numbers of shifts. They're extremely happy that they can now have, you know, four people in the same room together given the, given the work they've got to do and fitting out and commissioning and putting furniture in and getting deliveries of, you know, all of the the bric-a-brac and loose items that need to go into a new office when, you, when you're delivering it, <clears throat> they, they, when they take possession of their own building in that instance, stop paying delay claims to the, to, the, to the client of the build and they can become the tenant themselves and then they can navigate in their own return to work. China, um, <clears throat> nothing ever goes slow in China unless it's stopping. Um, mm -hmm. And so, you know, if something starts going slow in China, you know that it's probably stopping. And so <laughs> you find something else to do. <clears throat> We've been asked to do a 5,000 square metre office building as, a, you know, one of the world's most sustainable. Uh, and they want this thing finished in July 2021. And I'm like, but, but, but it's taken us five years to get to the point where you're hiring us and now you're giving us two months to design and build it. 
So <clears throat> I'm not seeing anything slow down like that. Nothing. So that 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 then is the perfect throw to to Chris. Chris Bosser, you you've actually got a couple of projects at Fasari. One is you've got the German Pavilion at World Expo, which we'll talk a bit about that, because World Expo twenty is is now delayed, or is it World Expo 2021, or is it World Expo 2022? And then we're also going to talk about the Central Station project in Ho Chi Minh City. So is the Ho Chi Minh City project moving along with its cadence? Oh, as far as um, we can tell, it's probably ah. a disclaimer for any answer at this point of time. <laughs> <laughs> so the Dubai Expo is now officially delayed um, by one year. The uh, Tokyo Olympics are delayed by one year and the Beijing uh, Biennale is delayed by one year, which will really throw out the whole concept of a Biennale and and what happens to the art Biennale and will then the next Biennale be one year later. Uh, but my biggest fear in that space is that the entire Biennale is going to be about post-pandemic architecture, cities in isolation and all that sort of stuff. And by then it may already be obsolete. So, so it's a slightly different topic, but um, as far as our projects are concerned, um, so Dubai, they slow down the construction because there's no point in finishing a pavilion a year ahead of schedule. So the, uh, the basic kind of structure is up, but no fit outs, no facade and no roof. Um, uh, the project in Vietnam. So Vietnam is a very interesting case. And uh, I've been in Vietnam for the last five years uh, with our office that we've slowly built up. And I've experienced firsthand that Vietnam had actually an amazing response to the whole kind of uh, COVID mm. situation. Since um, pretty much since Christmas, people, I mean, people are always wearing masks and people are very hygienic and washing hands and so on. But since Christmas, they were kind of, of my feeling since Christmas, maybe it was a little bit later in January, there were signs up in elevators. Uh, there were signs up in offices, offices were being disinfected, and there was an overall kind of awareness of the situation unfolding in China and elsewhere. And somehow Vietnam has, uh, by these uh, measures, managed to dodge the bullet. They have not had a single death. Um, they have very low case number, 270 cases, I think, which for a very long time was 16 cases, till patient 17 came on a plane from Fashion Week in Milan. So they can actually, they have individual names for each case. You know, it's not like we have 500,000 cases, we have 270, we know them by now. Um, and all of that, then they went into lockdown for uh, about four weeks. And as of uh, two weeks ago, they're all back in the office. And with the same kind of distancing and hand washing and disinfection and wearing masks and so on. But Vietnam... Um, is back in full swing, I would say. And they never really stopped. They worked from home for a little while, but everybody was just preparing for what's next. And the hospitality space, I think, is still very strong. Although there may be question marks around how many hotels you need in the future. Tra traveling uh, restrictions obviously cause a major problem. I think there's currently internal flights, but depending from where to where, there's uh, isolation requirements and so on. There's no international flights yet. But uh, finally, coming to your actual question, the project for the uh, Central Park in Ho Chi Minh City is kind of a public-private uh, partnership project for a large uh, public urban space, um, which is also the connection to the metro line and kind of a hub for future uh, transportation technologies and innovation. And that project um, 
is probably not the fastest moving project on the planet because it relies on public um, funding as well as private funding. And uh, so you need to marry up very good partners uh, who runs the commercial assets, the car parks, the shopping malls, etc., and who runs the public assets. But the government is very keen on that project and very supportive. And um, our meetings have gone online and um, they're very keen to push ahead with and I think, I think there you've highlighted a very important point, that the Central Station project is, new, is a new money project. And last week when we were doing the USA Town Hall, we had Joe Vigola from Studio V in New York. And Joe, the, the question I asked him was, have you had any projects that have had to go back and ask for new money in the cycle or have you been able to go through? And he hasn't had to go and talk about any new money in any project, so they're all just moving along as already approved and as financed. And then if I go think of um, projects in the UK when we were going sport, uh, speaking with um, uh, the team from Motivation and the non-for-profit doing wheelchairs for uh, as foreign aid, in the UK, because that because of Brexit, because of the changes there, the money cycle has slowed down. So it's not because of COVID that they're actually struggling. It's because they can't get new money approved and they can't get a new money conversation going on. And I think for everybody, that's a really important you know thing to look at: is are we dealing with projects which have been funded and the money is allocated and therefore the pace will go on? But trying to get something that is yet to be funded and and get that. Uh, greenlit is very is very troublesome, and that's where Betsy, I think, for to hear that Restoration Hardware have gone and said those international showrooms are now being fast tracked. You know, they've been brought forward. They're, that's a very interesting signal that RH is very confident of where the market's up to, and it's actually for people who are a little bit slower in their money cycle. Maybe there isn't as much confidence. And you know, what I hope that we are able to go do with these calls is actually share knowledge of how projects are. Up Operating. You all know how to do the design, but it's about the strategy. It's actually the market insights where I think the, the intelligence is there. So who's actually got something which you'd say would be like you're busting out of your skin, that there's something that you've seen that may not be exactly on topic that we've got? You know, for me, I'm, I must say I've tried to be a little bit cautious here about the Hong Kong circumstance, but I see that just accelerating but is yet to get stable. And it's going to take a while until we really understand what the implications are there. But that creates all sorts of dynamics. In Australia, we've got industrial relations, which is going through a dynamic change period as well. And it's going to take a while until we know which way is up. Who's seeing something else which might be a dynamic circumstance, which also has opportunity attached? Um, I'll talk a little bit about a project that I only just realised is a project. And it's a really, it's a project of my business. We've been talking about the projects of our businesses, the work that we do with other clients. And as part of our return to work, <clears throat> part of experiencing how we work away from each other and part of that kind of um, what are the impacts of that digital, con digital kind of space for us, there's been a massive kind of streamlining, I think, within teams on the projects that they're working on because we're essentially designers in computer spaces and we're operating now by sharing screens and being able to draw directly into each other's screens. There's been some efficiency there, but there's been a real lack of cross-pollination. Like Betsy was talking about that. What is it that you get when you're in a human situation and you're overhearing something or the book next to the book you're really looking for? The digitalization has siloed us a little bit. I think that you've got to spend a lot more energy trying to reconnect people. As part of returning to work and starting to plan for that when the government finally raises those barriers, there's two key drivers for us. One's 
the clinical rules around that. But the second is more interesting to me to the degree that we're actually making it a project of the studio and imagining, imagining ourselves as the clients coming to ourselves and saying, hey, you're going to reimagine how you come back to work because some of our staff have to travel two hours a day to get to work and two hours back and this 9 to 5.30 thing just breaks my heart when you think about how mad it's made the world and it's just a hangover. So the most exciting project we have in the studio at the moment is the studio. How do we want to work? What are the, some of the ways that we can dream about better ways to come together? Why are we gathering? How do we need to gather? And I'm quite prepared as a business owner <clears throat> to take that slightly more optimistic, slightly riskier, I guess, slightly more um, kind of um, positive take on it to not go back to what we were but find the opportunities to take the things we really like and, and perhaps move on from the things that we don't, the things we don't miss and take the things that we do miss and move forward. For us as a practice, that's been really interesting because we love doing these esquises and essentially the things that we're thinking about are transferable ultimately to government. They're transferable to how does Hong Kong come out of this? They're transferable to this kind of direction between going back and going forward. From a cocoon, you don't go back to being a bug. You don't go back to being a caterpillar, right? You go forward to something else. And there is not a single caterpillar on the planet that doesn't go, holy shit, I'm about to fly. Um, we've got to fly. That's, that's, that's what I see the opportunity as. That's where I see the, the, the fundamental design thinking come to play that affects and can affect all of us. It can actually raise all of our agendas to the sky and not say, how do we get back to being a caterpillar? It doesn't work. Look, Dylan, I, I, I think I'm going to close, close this call out here on how do, we, how do we imagine ourselves as a caterpillar and a butterfly. Everybody, it's been fantastic to have you here. Viewers, we'll be back in a month with another, another Asian town hall and uh, just begin to plan how do you go and uh, rebound and how do you also go and reimagine. Thank you for your time, everybody. Ah, pleasure.